Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Midweek Musings. This is the last episode of what I'm going to call season one for this podcast, so enjoy it while it lasts because you won't be hearing from, from me for a while. This is my this will be airing on my last week of school for the semester, so I'm not planning on continuing this over the summer, but I will catch you back in the fall for season two. So before I start, I have a couple of shout outs that I want to give. First goes to Miss Mara Sims because she requested an episode of this podcast to be about her, but didn't really see how that tied in to the overall theme of answering deep questions. So hi, Mara. Unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to do an episode about you. So this is what you're getting. You're getting a shout out. And then the second shout out is for my mom again, because I was brainstorming ideas for this final episode and she always comes up with the best stuff. And you guys, she delivered as always. So this week, we're going to be doing some myth busting and answer the question of birth order. Does birth order have any bearing on personality? We've all heard that older children are perfectionist and more responsible, and middle children are rebellious and neglected, and youngest children are wild and confident. Besides these many stereotypes, there are even more that I haven't named, and I'm sure you, if you grew up with siblings, or even have friends or family that you're close enough with to observe their sibling dynamics, you can think of several more characteristics that seem typical of oldest, middle, and youngest children. So the goal of today's podcast is to debunk this myth. Does birth order mean anything or not? If you're a returning listener, you know what it's time for. A little bit of history. I really need to get some sort of musical intro to the history section, and I think next season I should add like little stings before each recurring section. But for consistency's sake, I'm just going to leave it boring for this episode. The theory that birth order may have an effect on personality originated in 1964. Psychotherapist Alfred Adler was the first person to develop comprehensive theories that opposed Sigmund Freud. And if you know anything about Freud, you know that his theories about family dynamics are messed up, to say the least. So I will willingly accept any theories that oppose his, because yikes. But despite his large body of work, some of Adler's most important research was into the importance of birth order and youth outcomes. In 1964, Adler wrote... It is a common fallacy to imagine that children of the same family are formed in the same environment. Of course, there is much which is the same when all in the same house. But the psychic situation of each child is is individual and differs from that of others because of the order of their succession. Adler considered firstborns to be neurotic because they don't have to share their parents for their first years and are essentially dethroned once another sibling comes along. He also said that oldest children are dutiful and sometimes conservative. Before we move on, you should know that I am an oldest child. But I will try to keep my opinions about oldest children as neutral as possible, unlike Adler. Because Adler theorized that youngest children are ambitious and middle children are optimally positioned in the family and emotionally stable. We can take that last part with a grain of salt because Adler himself was a middle child. So of course he's going to say they're, quote, optimally positioned in the family. Frank J. Soloway, who did most of his work in the 1990s, similarly thought that every child occupies a certain niche within the family and then uses his or her own strategies to master life. Firstborn and single children had less reason to quarrel with the status quo and identify more strongly with the worldview of their fathers and mothers. Younger siblings are less sure of their parents' worldview and therefore choose more alternative paths in life. 
So basically, oldest children are more likely to agree with their parents, and younger children are more likely to take different views and rebel. Some people do disagree with these theories because they're too easy or stereotypical because everybody knows the sensible older sister or rebellious younger brother. Throughout the rest of the 1900s, the study of birth order was attempted many times, and it was always criticized by everyone else. The field became very contentious, but to be fair, a lot of the research was flawed. For example, a study done in 1968 found that oldest children are more likely to be open to new experiences, but that was likely due to the fact that they were literally older and had been more experienced in life because they'd had more years. Because of all this poor research, more recent studies have concluded that other factors besides birth order have a more heavy effect on the differences between siblings. But, like, duh. No one, no one was saying that nothing else has an effect. They're just trying to see if birth order has any effect. So it sounds like these people are getting any reason they can to just give up on studying birth order. But anyways, now that we know some history... I want to look at the stereotypes people currently hold about oldest, middle, youngest, and only children, and then get to the bottom of if any of them are even true. Let's start with only children, because they often don't get the credit and love they should in this debate. A lot of research actually just excludes them altogether, or counts them as an oldest or youngest child, but that's not the same at all. They have to be their own category. The stereotype is that only children are selfish, they can't share, and they always get their way. I know plenty of only children who are like this, but I also know a lot that aren't. So which is it? In a study published in the 19th century, it was called The Study of Peculiar and Exceptional Children, E.W. Bohannon from Clark University in Massachusetts detailed the results of a questionnaire, a new form of data collection at the time, which was filled out by 200, 200 test subjects. Which was filled out by 200 test subjects. In it, He asked respondents about the peculiarities of any only children they knew. In 196 cases, participants described children without siblings as excessively spoiled. And from there, that idea took hold, and boy, did it dig its claws in deep. And honestly, it's unfair, because they weren't asking only children themselves to self-evaluate, or they weren't asking parents of only children. They were asking people if, if they knew any people without siblings and what they were like. And I'm guessing it was multiple choice. It was like spoiled or not spoiled. You know, that's just not really a fair way to collect data. Furthermore, in the 20th century, some were concerned that growing up without siblings causes children to become hypersensitive. You know, if the parents are concentrating all their worries and fears on one kid, that child will become overly sensitive. According to data compiled in the 21st century, however, these notions are nonsense, and only children show no actual deficits. A psychologist at the University of Texas at Austin, who was an only child, opposed the idea that you need brothers and sisters to grow into a decent person. In her 1986 survey, for which she examined more than 200 studies on the subject, she concluded the characteristics of children with and without siblings do not differ. The only difference she found was that only children seemed to have stronger bonds with their parents compared to children who had siblings. This idea was later confirmed by a 2018 study in which Andreas Klock and Sven... I do not know how to say that name, I'm just not realizing. 
Basically, a German study attempted to track the relationship between parents and children, and 25% of only children considered their relationship with their parents positive, whereas under 24% of firstborns, 20% of middle children, and 18% of youngest reported good relationships with their parents. So, only children statistically factually have better relationships with their parents but oftentimes they find themselves wishing that they'd grown up with siblings and that's statistical also that's not just something that i made up there are however slight indications that only children are less agreeable than children with siblings intolerant individuals are often characterized as quarrelsome distrustful egocentric and more competitive and in a study recently done only children were received lower scores when it came to tolerance in the end, how much influence the effect of being an only child has is questionable. Only children aren't cut off from social settings just because they don't have siblings. They still go to school, and they still get their interpersonal skills there. Parents might have to work harder to teach only children to share because they don't have siblings, but that doesn't mean they can't do it. And in the end, creating a loving and calm environment seems more important to parents than the number of children in a household. So let's move on to oldest children, such as me. <laughs> Firstborn children are often thought to be goal-oriented, outspoken, stubborn, independent, and perfectionist. Those are the commonly thought of stereotypes. When you look at the way firstborns are nurtured, it starts to make sense why we have these preconceived notions about oldest children. Firstborn children usually are thought to be unique from other children because their parents are new to the parenting job. They're learning how to do everything as they go, therefore they tend to be more strict, set higher expectations, and be more anxious with their oldest children than they would be with any other children down the line. Common belief says that as other siblings are added into the mix, the oldest child tends to take on a bit of a second parent role to their younger siblings. So coupled with their parents being new to the job, that could lead an oldest child to be goal-oriented, independent, perfectionist. All right, now moving on to middle children. Now, my research was weird for this one because I always thought that middle children were, like, disagreeable and contradictory, kind of like the rebel of the household, maybe get overlooked the most out of the siblings, but I found that the stereotype is that middle children are agreeable and open to new experiences and nothing against my sister because she's like my favorite but she's a middle child and she's not that at all and i wouldn't say that she's the most agreeable person i've you know come in contact with so i don't know that might just be a her thing but apparently middle children are agreeable and open to new experiences according to stereotypes and they're highly invested in getting along well with others they, because they have experience negotiating for what they need within the family and always had have always had to share divided parental investment. From the moment a second child is born, they share everything with their older sibling, so they never know what it's like to have 100% of their, their parents' attention, which I will add, I feel like most oldest children don't remember that because for me, at least, my siblings were born when I was three and five, or no, three and four. I must have been... No, I must have just been turned two. I don't know. Whatever. I was I was under five for both of them. And so I really don't remember that, like having the 100% of the parents' attention. I'm assuming it shaped me to some degree, but I feel like, I don't know. And yeah, some, some oldest children who have siblings when they're 
when they're older they probably do remember that so it's probably harder for them to adjust to having a sibling but when you're like that young I don't really think it has that much bearing anyways second children don't know what it's like to have 100% of their parents attention and that's a it's a common belief that that can influence the development of their personality traits which would make them more diplomatic nurturing introspective and have a tendency towards keeping the peace I don't know that I buy any of that (laughs) but this is what the psychology website said so I'm gonna go with it as the second born's family expands and that child becomes an older sibling later down the line their role in the family changes again and this is sometimes what's known as middle child syndrome because it can lead them to rebel or try to find a way to get people's attention like by being funny or acting out so they go from being the young from from being a younger child to being an older child and it's that changes their personality and that can be very confusing moving on to youngest children the common stereotype for the youngest child is that parents with multiple kids are more laid back and lenient when it comes to raising their youngest child, the so-called baby of the family. This is why youngest children usually end up having a more happy-go-lucky personality. And since the youngest born's other siblings are older and becoming less reliant on their parents, the baby of the family is given extra attention, which can sometimes keep them from becoming super independent. In general, high agreeableness, extroversion, and openness are associated with the youngest children, due to the lack of responsibilities and parental indulgence over expectations. So that's a really fancy way of saying that youngest children are spoiled. (laughs) So basically, youngest children become spoiled and more dependent on their parents because the older kids have become more independent. So the oldest child raises the middle child and the parents raise the youngest child. From what I understand, the middle child treats the oldest child as like a third parent or second parent depending on how many parents there are in this household and then when the third child comes along they are kind of their own independent unit and the parents are able to spend like almost 100 percent of their attention on the newest kid and that's how they end up being spoiled per se now let's see if any of these stereotypes about any of the kids are true or which are just truly stereotypical before discussing any new research that's been done and it's helpful to know why all of the older research we talked about before was flawed other than the rather dumb mistakes we already discussed but put most simply birth order is intricately linked to family size a kid from a two-child family has a 50 percent chance of being firstborn but a kid in a five-child family has only 20 percent chance of being firstborn i promise this is going somewhere More children in a family often means that parental resources are spread more thinly. Time, attention, money, etc. In addition, family size has long since correlated with social factors such as ethnicity, education, and wealth. For example, it's been found that wealthier families tend to have less children. So all of this means that a larger family is going to have more middle children. Because there's still only going to be one oldest and only one youngest. And a lot more middle children come from possibly poorer families. Poorer families tend to have more children. And so that means more middle kids are coming from poorer families, whereas more only children are coming from wealthier families. Hopefully you're following all this. Despite all of these factors working against people who study birth order, there were actually a few studies done in the 2000s that delivered actual evidence. In 2007, Some Norwegian people, who I'm not going to try to say their names because that will just make a fool out of me, 
<laughs> Anyways, some Norwegian scientists published work showing a small but reliable negative correlation between IQ and birth order. The more older siblings one has, the lower one's IQ is. The question of whether birth order affects intelligence has been debated inconclusively since the 1800s. But the size of this study, which was 250,000 Norwegian people, and the rigorous controls for family size make this study convincing. But not everything is so swell for eld eldest children, okay? Because, yes, maybe they get a slight, slight IQ boost by being the oldest children. They're also more likely to abuse drugs and alcohol. And that was found in 2006. In 2009, there was a study done on examining 900 undergraduate students who were asked to locate their birth order. So they said whether they were oldest, middle, youngest, only and the birth order of their parents, and that of their best friend. This study provided evidence that showed individuals who shared the same birth order were more likely to be romantically involved or have close friendships with other people of the same birth order. So basically, oldest children are more likely to be friends with and or date oldest children, middleborns with middleborns, youngest with youngest. So basically, these people, the people who conducted this study said that if... Birth order affects who you're friends with or who you're romantically involved with. Birth order must, therefore, affect your personality. Because if spouses correlate on personality and personality correlates with birth order, spouses would correlate with birth order. So, because of these more recent studies, the evidence seemed to be seems to be shifting back in favor of our common intuition that our position in our family somehow affects who we become. We don't really know how exactly... I mean, some of the stuff that I listed in the stereotype section makes a lot of sense without having to do much, much studying. It just makes sense. Oh, if a parent devotes more time to this one kid, the other one's probably going to feel a little bit left out and become more disagreeable, you know? But the details of how this happens and why this happens still remain vague. The Norwegian study from 2007 shows a slight effect on intelligence, the relationship study shows that oldest, middle, youngest, and only children differ in some way, but it doesn't give indication of how. All in all, the effects that birth order has on your personality are small, if any. Because these effects are so small, it's wise not to put too much bearing on birth order. But I expect that some people, myself included, will continue to try to make sense of the world through this prism of birth order. It's fine for scientists to say that more study is needed, but if studying birth order is going to help people parent their children better, then I say go for it. Like, don't get super hung up on the stereotypes and raise your children based on preconceived notions, but also, if learning a bit more about birth order is going to help you parent your kids better, or help to make sure that they all feel loved and accepted by you, then I think that's a good thing to study and learn about. Okay. That's going to wrap it up for today and for this semester. Season one has been so much fun. I think this is episode eight. Yeah, we'll see if I got that right later. <laughs> but thank you for everybody who's listened to this whole first season. And if you haven't heard the past seven episodes, I encourage you to go back and listen to them, especially because I'm not going to be coming out with any new ones. And the last seven are bangers. So I will see you next time on Midweek Musings in about three months. Wow, this is so sad. <laughs> this is the last time you're hearing the music for three months. No. 
This podcast was recorded at the studios of KALA-FM, St. Ambrose University. Opinions expressed are not necessarily those of KALA Radio or St. Ambrose University.